What are some of the top security challenges for 2011? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Kristen Lovejoy, Vice President of Security Strategy with IBM. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with IBM, please? Sure. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Security Strategy, and to understand it, you have to understand um, how IBM looks at security. IBM is, first and foremost, a trusted advisor to our clients. So we help our customers build smart cities, smart grids, new data centers, etc. And security is an aspect of the service that we deliver, and so security is a part of everything we do. We're also a security company. Um, we have 40-plus years uh, providing software, hardware, and services um, for, for the security market segment. And then third, as a company, uh, we have close to 500,000 employees uh, across uh, almost 140 companies, and so we're responsible for securing, you know, sort of our internal environment. Now, my responsibility is in the first two buckets that I, I mentioned. Um, I provide guidance to the various organizations within IBM um, to uh, explain to them how it is we should be delivering security as part of the products and services that we ourselves deliver to market. And second, um, as a security company, as the head of strategy, I'm responsible for working with our customers, understanding what kinds of needs they have, um, and then ensuring that we have the right products and services to you know, bring to them in the marketplace. Well, you've got a great perspective here because you hear from your internal customers as well as your external customers, and again, on a global scale. Given all of that input, what are the security threats that concern you the most today and why? Yeah, you know, we're seeing, you know, quite a change. Um, and uh, it's interesting that we're seeing um, many senior-level executives within organizations coming to us and wanting to have this conversation about some of the emerging threats. So I'm going to take a step back and sort of describe what it is that I'm seeing from my customer's perspective. So as a, as a security executive, um, when I'm looking at risk to my business, um, I am go, I'm making the decision to work on something uh, because there are three variables um, that are present. One is there is a, a threat, that there is a person or persons with a tool or tools that has the capacity to harm my organization. Second, that there is a vulnerability or a, um, you know, a, a hole that can be exploited within my infrastructure. And third, that there is an impact to my business. And what we're seeing in the marketplace is it, it's not just threats that have changed. We're, we're seeing um, very well-coordinated, very well-funded um, or attackers that are supplied with, um, you know, sort of tools that they've bought, you know, from the black market that are now exploiting any number of vulnerabilities that have become um, available for exploit, you know, simply because of the changes in which we, in the way we architect our environments. You know, it used to be that we build our enterprises, you know, like you would a medieval city. You know, you had a moat around it and you had guards at the drawbridge making sure only the right people got entrance. And it's changed, you know, with the influx of mobile devices, you know, we've got modern cities with any number of entrances and exits um, into that, you know, into the organization. And that means that, you know, holes within the infrastructure can be exploited by these, you know, well-funded attackers. 
And then third, from an impact perspective, what we're seeing is that, you know, attackers aren't just, um, you know, t attacking, um, you know, data, if you will, you know, trying to, you know, steal data, you know, for the purposes of making money in some ways. Um, they're going for the critical infrastructure, um, and that's pretty scary because the impact there isn't financial, it's potentially loss of life or limb. And so those are the things that we're seeing in the marketplace. It's that combination of, you know, emerging threats, um, more available, widely exploitable vulnerabilities, and escalating impact. Well, Chris, those are, are evolving threats, and, and they're big ones, and it's hard for an organization to be able to change to tackle those particularly a large organization. How has IBM been able to, to evolve and tackle these threats as, as they're evolving? Yeah, good question. Um, our response and our point of view um, to the marketplace is secure by design. Now, this is not a new concept by any stretch of the imagination, but what it is is our suggestion to the marketplace that it is important to design the right level of safety and security into a solution and then maintain the safety and security in the solution lifecycle throughout the lifecycle. Now, how do you do that? You know, sort of that is the practical question that most organizations would ask us. Um, and our approach is to say that um, in order to design security into the infrastructure, we must start thinking about the business initiative. We must start thinking about the, the, the business itself. We have to understand within the context of the business, um, within the context of the people who are interacting with data, which reside on applications, which live on in IT infrastructure within a physical facility, we have to understand what the hazards are, what the potential breakpoints are, and then apply a reasonable level of control to control, um, you know, sort of the, the potentiality for harm. Now, in IBM, we've structured um, both a governance model, a set of best practices, and an execution model that enable us to carry that out. Um, that actually, uh, for those who are interested, you can actually download a what we call a red guide from the IBM website. Um, one of the red guides is called the IBM Security Blueprint. The IBM Security Blueprint it represents best practices for the implementation of security throughout the IT infrastructure. Um, we also have, or without, within not just the IT infrastructure, but within the enterprise. Um, and second, we've also published something called uh, the Secure Engineering Framework. This is a framework which is appropriate for the development organizations and specifically for the development organizations and represents best practices for how we can code security into the infrastructure as we're designing it in the first place. Again, you come from a unique position, Chris, because you're at IBM. There aren't many organizations the size of the scale of IBM. What do you find to be the unique challenges of managing security in an organization of your size? Oh, that's a good question. Um, if you think about IBM and the culture of all IBM, you know, a hundred, uh, I'm sorry, almost 500,000 employees, again, scattered over 140 countries. Um, and the bulk of us, uh, you know, in fact, uh, almost 60% of us actually work from home. 
Um, and those of us who do work from home are enabled with, you know, use of technologies like, um, you know, sort of social networking. And so you ask yourself, you know, what are the key ingredients, um, you know, for securing that kind of architecture? Um, and so what I'm going to, you know, tell you is that we, I, I see that there are four key ingredients, and I'm going to give these to you at a very high level because we only have two minutes to talk about this. Um, but what I would say is the four key ingredients to a well-architected enterprise, which is, you know, sort of the way in which we manage risk within IBM, is number one is to implement an appropriate governance model. Um, and so that is a governance model which allows for risk to be quantified and tracked at the most senior levels of the organization and for there to be mechanisms by which you can monitor risk to the lowest le levels of the organization. So that's one. Two, um, important is focus on standards. Um, what I truly believe that in order for an organization to achieve any level of security, um, we must have visibility. In order to get visibility, one must have an infrastructure that allows one to gather data on the effectiveness of control within the underlying um, sources. That can't happen if your infrastructure doesn't plug into um, one another or you're not using common uh, reporting formats. So a focus on standardization is important. Third is a focus on assurance. Going back to this concept that you know security must be designed in, I would argue that every organization needs to adopt policies and principles that are implemented within the development organizations or adhere to within the development organizations, and then you take those concepts and you apply them to the employees so that on an ongoing basis they understand what their responsibilities are. And then finally, a characteristic of an effective organization is intelligence. It's the capacity to monitor emerging threats, to monitor, you know, sort of your own risk profile, and then to feed that information back into the governance model. So again, governance, standards, assurance, intelligence are all the key characteristics of managing such a large environment. You talked about a couple of things I find interesting. One, the, the remote work aspect, and then social networking. Now, we spoke about security threats. What are some of the global security trends you're tracking as we head into the new year? And I wouldn't be surprised to hear social networking come up among those. Yeah, no, it's absolutely an issue. But I, I'd say that there's something that's maybe even more compelling, which is the protection of sensors and actuators in the wild. I don't think anybody realizes the extent to which our planet has become intelligent and interconnected. I and mean, we talk about the smart planet, um, and this is an important thing. I, you know, I want you to think very practically about your automobile today as an example of something new that we need to worry about. You know, back in 1977, the old Tornado was the first car to be introduced to the market with a single computer unit for spark plug timing. Um, today, the modern car has more than 30 computer chips um, um, that's loaded in that car with more lines of code than an Airbus. Um, the telematics systems that are, you know, enabled by these computer systems allow for onboard sensing, you know, um, and communications in the event of crashes, seek emergency help, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is that these systems 
if not designed with security on board, could be hacked and used for harm. And so I think that um, a focus on these sensors and actuators in the wild is on non-traditional endpoints, even pacemakers, as an example, is going to be important. Um, another area that we're really focusing is on uh, virtualization slash cloud computing. Um, we're beginning to see, uh, you know, quite uh, sort of quite a, a lot of concern about attacks at the hypervisor layer, and so we're expecting to, you know, see uh, some real, uh, you know, exploits emerge there. Um, another area that is of concern is obviously addressing, you know, the, the new cyber threat landscape. You know, those organized, uh, you know, groups of attackers that we were, you know, describing, you know, otherwise known as the advanced persistent threat. Um, this is something that we're keeping an eye on. Um, we're also keeping an eye on the need for better management of digital identities. You know, in today's world, uh, you know, a digital identity, is, you know, it is our identity, and we need better mechanisms by which we can protect that. Um, another area of concern is social networking and the safe use of social networking. Now, this is tied to a theme that we call um, expectation of privacy. You know, the interesting thing about our new generation is that our new generation thinks that they, or believes that, you know, sort of privacy is built in. They have no concept that, you know, it may not be. And so it's something, you know, as we develop these new technologies like social networking, we're going to have to recognize, you know, sort of the balance between these, you know, social networking sites um, and the risk of, you know, sort of some form of privacy violation or reputation damage, you know, associated with that, that use. Um, and then the last area that we're focusing on, and this is potentially the most dramatic, is actually the changes in the compliance landscape. Um, what we're beginning to see are um, pieces of legislation appearing in various national governments, um, Russia, China, uh, India, and the U.S., which require the organizations that are delivering services to critical infrastructure, these would be banks, healthcare providers, et cetera, et cetera, um, that they need to assure higher levels of security than ever before at potentially very, very high penalties, like, for instance, being locked out of doing business in a particular segment, um, being locked out of the procurement process of a particular country, um, et cetera. So, again, that compliance landscape is important. So, you know, sort of it's the, that question of mobility and, you know, what, what is the impact for us, you know, digitizing all of these devices, managing digital identities, managing, uh, you know, the assistant threat, addressing cloud computing virtualization, you know, addressing that expectation of privacy and how that, you know, sort of impacts social networking, and then finally, you know, addressing the compliance complexity. Th those are the, the areas that we're really focused on. Well, you might have just answered my next question with your, your last point here, and the question is, which of these trends is going to challenge security organizations most? And it sounds like that compliance one might be a biggie. Yeah, and I, you know what I would say is, and this is kind of the unfortunate thing, is I, you know, I have to be a little bit of a cynic here, is that there is a lot of complexity out there, you know, and if you were to ask a, a customer what's the biggest problem, their biggest problem isn't necessarily compliance. Their biggest problem is complexity. 
their biggest problem is the fact that there are a hundred million things to um, deal with and there are a hundred million things to buy there's not enough time and money to deal with them all and so they need help in prioritizing interestingly enough compliance becomes the number one reason why a business case for security is fulfilled because compliance is very easy to understand. It's a hammer. There are teeth. And if I'm a CSO and I'm looking for budget, I'm going to turn to compliance because it's an easy answer. Um, the reality is that, yes, that, you know, sort of the changing compliance landscape, I think, is going to create um, a lot of focus um, within the businesses. But what I would say to you is, you know, the biggest challenge right now is just in the prioritizing. Um, and, and when these new compliance regs come out, you know, we're going to have this problem is going to, um, I, I think, become even more exaggerated because customers are just looking for that prescriptive guidance what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what's the benefit. So, final question for you, Chris. If you could boil it down, how can security leaders individually do a better job in 2011 than they have done in 2010? You know, I think that the reality is the business leaders, are, you know, the security leaders, the new security leader, um, needs to first and foremost um, focus on the foundation. You know, there is an old axiom out there that says never spend $100 to fence, uh, you know, a $10 horse. And it has been proven that that is true, that there are a finite set of security controls that provide the, the best value to the security executive. Now, the interesting thing about these security controls is they're not necessarily security. They're process-oriented. Um, things like change and configuration management, release management, problem and incident management, these are all key controls. In addition to the traditional identity and access management, encryption management, threat and vulnerability management, and security information and event management, what I would say is that in order for a security executive to be successful, they must A, recognize that security is about managing risk. To manage risk, you don't need to buy a product or a service that starts with the word security. You need to look within your environment, you need to understand the business service you're trying to protect, and you need to use the appropriate controls, the operational controls, the administrative controls, the physical controls that help you to do that, oftentimes, though they're not necessarily going to be security. Two, the business leader must focus on assuring that in addition to the tactical controls that they've implemented to protect the business, that they're really focusing on how to better get visibility to understand the effectiveness of all of that underlying GORP. So once they've implemented the processes, they've in implemented the, the controls, that they build those measurement systems that allow them to gain the, you know, sort of the insight necessary um, for them to make continued good business decisions. Kristen, you're an eloquent spokesperson. I appreciate very much your time and your insight today. My pleasure. Anytime. We've been talking about global security challenges. We've been talking with Kristen Lovejoy, Vice President of Security Strategy with IBM. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.